Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing a message from Pastor Eric Hansen, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. Following the sermon, take a look at the episode description to see scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about our ministry. Let's get into the message entitled, It's Your Turn to Prophesy. Today's message, uh, if you have something to write with, I'd encourage you to get out a piece of paper and uh, a writing instrument or use your phone for a message entitled, It's Your Turn to Prophesy. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your anointing, Lord, that breaks the yoke, and we thank you for your word that is faithful and true. In a world of lies and deception, God, we know that what you say is true. And so we put our lives into your hands and ask for your wisdom today. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, beginning at the first verse, the Lord says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase, not just a regular life, but an abundant life. Live and increase and may enter, not just get in there, but then actually possess the land. Once God gives you something, then you have to maintenance it, right? Okay. Once God gives you something, you have to maintenance it, correct? Right, right. So you say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get that new house. And you get that house and then all of a sudden, a few of you gotta paint it. And then the hot water heater goes out and then you need a new roof, right? So it's just not getting it, it's maintenancing whatever God has given you. Because if you don't, the natural inclination of everything is rot and decay. Yeah, that's the way it is. So without intentionally saying, I want life in my home, I wanna maintenance whatever God has given me, I want to not just get the land, but inherit the land and possess the land, uh, we're gonna have problems. So we increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on an oath to your forefathers. Verse two, remember now how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert for those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order that you would know in your, what was in your hearts, whether or not that you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Why? Why did he do that? Which neither you nor your fathers had known so that he could teach you something. He could teach you that man does not live by bread. Wait a second, I thought this was a New Testament verse. No, this is the foreshadow of why God provided manna in the wilderness, back all the way back in Deuteronomy. Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan to turn stones into bread, he was only quoting Deuteronomy chapter eight, the words of Moses. He said, Jesus said, uh, as does the Lord here, man does not live by bread alone, but one, on what? But on every word that comes from the mouth of Jehovah, God, Lord, the, 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 the tetragrammaton, the four letters that represent the name of God in the Old Testament, the most holy name of God. Jesus said to Satan, man does not live by bread alone. What does this mean? It means that if you're going to live, you need more than just food. You have a physical body and we take care of that and we nourish that. WebMD says we need about 1,200 calories a day if we're going to live based on your, your age and, and, and who you are. I'm more of the 2,400 ca- category, but, <laughs> but they say 1,200 will do it. So you'll die physically if you don't nourish your body. 
You'll die spiritually if you don't nourish your spiritual being. That is the basic principle of what I want to share with you this morning. We all got plans. My, I'm taking my granddaughter out to lunch after. She's already got plans. What we're going to do for lunch. So much of our life revolves around, hey, what are you doing for lunch? What's for dinner? What are you going to have for lunch? Are we going to pack a lunch? Are we going to get a lunch? Are you going to go out to eat? Are we going to cook at home? Are we going to can some stuff? Or are we going to go to the grocery store? Our life in many, 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 many ways revolves around those three meals a day and all the other little snacks along the way. And if you're too lazy to go to the grocery store, they'll deliver them to you now. Spiritually speaking, if you don't revolve your spiritual life around nourishment, feeding you spiritually, you will become emaciated, you will die, you will not be strong, you will become weak, you'll become anemic, and you'll eventually die spiritually, even though you're walking around. Every day, the world continues to plod forward. But spiritually, it's dying. Some indicators, we've got uh, moral relativism, which means eh, if it's good for you, it's good for you. If it's not good for me, it's not good for me. But you do what you do, you do you, I'll do me, and, and we'll just be okay. Secularism, the absolute removal of God from our society. The erosion of family values. Degenerate media and entertainment. Just look at what's coming out of Hollywood. Materialism, consumerism, money is the master of everything. Spiritually, we're dying. I'm not talking about, oh, America, how's the economy doing? What did the Dow Jones, what did the S&P 500 do? You know what? How is the spiritual temperature in your life, in your home, in this country? The decline in church attendance, ethical issues, bioethical issues, abortion, genetic engineering, end-of-life care, how many vaccines you need to take, loss of community. Why? Because I don't know if you've ever been out lately and you see people just with their face stuck in their phone. I mean, just one spare minute and it's get it out and flip through it. an astronomical rise of addictions, mental health issues, the tolerance of immorality, sexual deviations, lesbian, gay, trans, bi, queer, wanting you to go along with the idea that men can be women and women can be men. Collectively, listen to me, collectively we are living in a valley of dry bones. And not just society, many individuals, perhaps you, just plodding forward, but spiritually dying. So what's the remedy? What's the remedy? Let's discover it together. In Ezekiel 37, beginning at the first verse, I'm just going to read it to you, make a few comments along the way. The hand of the Lord, the Yad, remember our sermon from the fivefold? Yad with Kabad, the hand, 
the Yod, the hand of Jehovah God, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Cap. Whenever you see capital L-O-R-D, that's where you have, that's just not somebody trying to emphasize the name God. That is where we say in, in Hebrew, that, that was my language in school, when you see capital L-O-R-D, that's the Lord as in God, as in the, the four consonants that are written without vowels to name the name of God, which are in English transliterated to Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. The yod of, the, of God Almighty was on me and he brought me out by the spirit, by the ruach of Jehovah and he set me in the middle of a valley called Springfield, Illinois, <laughs> called my workplace, called my home, called my family, called my nation, your own life. He set you there in the middle of it full of dead, dry bones, and he led me back and forth and among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were not just dry, but very dry. And he asked me, listen, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants you to have a revelation. So he asks you, O son of Adam, that's what man is in Hebrew, O son of Adam, can these bones live? I said, O Adonai Yahweh, O sovereign Lord, only you know. I love the fact that, that Ezekiel didn't know. And he was just straight up about it. I, I don't know, but you're God, so I'm sure you know. Is it okay not to know? It's okay not to know. How are we gonna fix it? Your valley, my valley, the valley that you're in financially or physically or mentally, the, the valley that the nation is in. And we're riding a couple different horses here. We're talking corporately about maybe the church, maybe about the nation, maybe about the city, maybe about the workplace, but also you individually being in a valley. Someone comes to you and, or God even says, what are we gonna do about this? It's not because he doesn't know what needs to be done about it. He wants you to have a revelation. And you say, God, I don't know, but I know that you know. What's, what's just as good as, what's better? What's better than knowing is knowing what God knows about it. Anything. Now here is the answer to dead, dry bones. Ready, verse four. Then he, meaning the Lord, said to me, you need to naba, N-A-B-A, you need to prophesy, which means to sing or to speak by inspiration. To these bones, like we did today, wow, that song, hold on a second, the new song that Aaron did, good luck if I can find it on the fly here. We were prophesying. The name of the song is Back to Life. In a dead, dry place, speaking life. Aaron didn't know what I was preaching. Nicely convenient. So the answer is what? He, then he said to me, you should prophesy, which means to sing or to speak by inspiration to these bones and you need to say something to them. I want you to note something. The Lord's not saying, Ezekiel, you better figure out what you need to say. No, the Lord hands him a script. I like that. I'm just not left to wing it 
What am I supposed to do to get out of this mess? I don't know. I better pray and figure it out. God says, relax, Ezekiel. Let me give you a script. Here's what I want you to say. And he quotes what he wants Ezekiel to say. He says this, continuing on. Verse, end of uh, four. Dry bones, you're speaking to these dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Not hear the word of Pastor Hansen, hear the word of Ezekiel, but hear the word of the Lord. That's important. Because sometimes when we prophesy, we prophesy our own. If you can't say amen, say ouch. We prophesy our own will. What we think should happen. When all along God says, I'm gonna give you a script, Ezekiel. Here's what I want you to do. Here are the words, of, this is what you say. This is what the sovereign Lord, this is what Adonai Yahweh says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will make breath come into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So what did he do? Verse seven. All right, so I, I prophesied like I was. In other words, he was obedient. He just did what God told him to do and then left the results to the Lord rather than trying to, manipu trying to manipulate the situation. I said, listen, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say what the Lord tells me to say and then I'm gonna put it into his hands. He was obedient. Now watch the progression. There's, let me tell you, there's always a progression. Can I just be honest with you? There's always a progression for what God wants you to do. Why is that? It's because what he wants is your obedience. He wants your obedience more than he wants the task completed. How do I know this? Because if his goal was the task completed, he wouldn't need you. He would just speak the completed task. Amen. I'll try that again. He wants you to be faithful in the journey towards the destination, not that the destination is the ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is for you to be the clay and for him to be the potter, for you to be moldable and obedient to do and to say, to prophesy whatever it is that he tells you to do and say, and then leave that to him. Because what he wants is faithfulness. I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Wait, I did everything you told me to do. That's not the point, the Lord says. The point is for you to do what I ask you to do, and I ask you to prophesy, Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel said, okay, I will. And so I prophesied. That's the progress. Lord, if that is you, bid me come to you on the water. Who was that? Peter getting out of the boat, right? It's simple, but understand, Peter didn't walk on the water until after he stepped over to the side of the boat. You want the end result. I want the end result with this valley of dry bones that we all deal with in whatever capacity they're in life. We all want that. And we just want to sit on the front porch all day long and pray and pray and pray. But God says, you know what? You're going to have to put some shoe leather to your faith and get activated and do something. Because you know what? If you want to catch fish, you can't do it on your front porch. You're going to have to get out and get a boat, get yourself organized, get yourself together. You wanna walk on water, step out of the boat. You want the valley of dry bones in your life to live? You're gonna to have to be obedient to do, to say whatever the Lord tells you to do and say. And you won't see, hello, you won't see the result of that till after you say what you need to say. Well, he needs to do it before. Well, there's no faith attached to that. Am I preaching the choir? You're getting what I'm picking up. You catching this? All right, watch this now. 
So at, here it is. Here's the, here's the progression. So as I was prophesying, not before, not before, and as I was prophesying, what happened? Well, wait a second. It says the bones came together. But if I look back into what he was supposed to say, it says in verse five, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you. It's interesting that the Lord prophesies, he prophesies in reverse of what's going to happen. So it's not sequential. So what happens is Ezekiel begins to prophesy and the first thing that happens is he hears these bones begin to rattle and come together. Faith comes by, wait a second, I'm prophesying and all of a sudden I hear I hear, remember, I, I'm, I'm mindful of um, uh, uh, Elijah when he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He didn't see the rain, but he heard it. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain over our nation. I've not given up on America. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain over our city. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain over your lives. Do you? And so it was that I prophesied. And as he was prophesying, there was noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Death and destruction was everywhere. Make this, make this appropriate to your life, your situation, where death is in your life, where dead, dry bones are in your life. Death and destruction everywhere. He was told to prophesy. Good thing he did. He stepped up. He was obedient. He spoke. And then he heard the bones begin to come together. Then what happened? Verse eight. I looked. I saw in the spirit. There, tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. They looked good on the outside, but there was no Zoe on the inside. You can clean yourself up, you can fix the situation good enough that everybody thinks you've got victory, but inside your heart, you know you don't. There's no real life inside of you, even though, you know what, it still looks good to everybody else. Your mama thinks you're doing good, your spouse thinks you're doing good, your daddy thinks you're doing good, your boss thinks you're doing good. But all the while, you're full of dead men's bones, just whitewashed sepulchers. And so I looked, and there it was, but there wasn't any breath. There was no pneuma in them, still not alive. So even Ezekiel didn't know if the bones could live, but he obeyed, and he spoke. To what end? Here we have it. We got a bunch of bones, but still no breath, no life. What was he supposed to do? How about he prophesy a second time? Well, you don't have enough faith if you gotta prophesy a second time. The Lord said, no, 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 no. Let's do this again. And now let's prophesy a second time. And so verse nine, then he, God, said to me, Naba, prophesy that the ruach, the breath, the breath, prophesy, son of man, Adam, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Adonai Yahweh says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. He did it again, he was obedient. As he commanded me, and the ruach, the spirit, 
as we say, or the wind, but if you look up the definition for the Hebrew word 7303 in your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, it also means the mind of God. Whew, that's powerful. To be able to say, I have the mind of God on a matter. I have the mind of God on the matter and God says, I want this dead situation in your life to come alive. Not just cosmetically, so everybody thinks you got your stuff together, but I need you to know that life can come inside of you, such an abundance, not just go into the land, but possess an abundant life. Who wants? I want an abundant life. And so, verse 10, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the Ruach of God entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, as a vast army. That can be you. It can be you. It can be your circumstance. It can be your situation. I don't want bad things to happen. I don't want bad things to happen. But you know what happens when bad things happen? People turn to God. That's why 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord says, I tested you. I tried you. And I gave you this manna as a sign that you're not gonna live by bread alone. I got you. Some of you are just terribly comfortable. You're just too comfortable. You're not desperate enough to hear what I'm saying about the death that's around the edges of your life, either in your personal life, about your addiction or your greed or your sexuality or whatever. You, 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 and, and maybe you're just resigned to the fact, you know, this is the way the country is now. You don't see it as a valley of dry bones. You know what? It's a great opportunity for God to move. That's what it is. It's a great opportunity for God to move. How's it gonna happen? I just told you. When you begin to prophesy. Well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. The Lord gave Ezekiel the right words. Don't you think he'll give you the right words? Let's watch what happens. So then he said to me, after this uh, army stood up, this vast army, then verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones... They represent the house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We were cut off. Therefore, I'd like you to prophesy again. Verse number 12. Therefore, prophesy now to this army. So we're gonna prophesy to get the bones together. Then we're gonna prophesy to have the spirit of God inhabit that situation in those bones. Then we're gonna give them marching orders. Do you see the difference? See the, see the progression? So prophesy, this is what the sovereign Adonai Yahweh says. Oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord God when I open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will put my ruach, my spirit, my mind in you, and you will live, and I will settle in your land. Wow, I will settle in your house. 
I'll settle in your community. I'll settle in your neighborhood. I'll settle in your business. Then you will know that I am the Lord and have spoken. I've done it, declares the Lord. This is the vision that God gave Ezekiel to explain to him that what he thought was dead, a whole nation of Israel, and hopeless, could only live again if someone would prophesy. That you could come back from the grave and be victorious. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is Luke 1.37, when Mary responds to the angel. She says, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. What about your circumstance? It's hopeless, maybe you're just resigned to that's the way that it is. No, nothing is impossible with God. If you wanna memorize a five-word verse, that would be key for this week. Because nothing literally means no thing. Nothing is impossible with God. How is that possible? Because he's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, all the time. He's everywhere all the time. He's in the beginning of this morning service and he's at the end of this morning service because time doesn't hold him. We live in a time continuum. I've been, I've been, I've been studying quantum entanglement, which is super crazy stuff. Quantum entanglement, I'll just give you a, a quick primer on quantum entanglement. You take these atoms and, 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 you, and you put them together and you quantum, and they're quantumly entangled and then you separate them, whether you separate them a foot or you separate them a thousand miles or you separate them a million miles. When you change the rotation of this one, this one, no matter how far away it is, also changes its rotation. It's called quantum entanglement, check it out. It's gonna change everything when we get our arms around what exactly all that is. But God is already in the middle. When, when, Time does not, God is already at the, he's at the end of your life. He was at the day you were born, but he's also at the end of your life. What's he doing at the end of your life? He's calling you into your destiny. Come on, come on. I know you can do it. Not only is he calling you, he's with you saying, come on, let's do this together. And not only is he that, he's behind you. He's your front guard, your rear guard. And he said, come on, let's do this. But when we forget when we forget that he is with us and greater is he that is for us and in us than he that sits in the world, we lose our hope. And then we look at terrible, hard, difficult, 40 years in the wilderness situations and we go, man, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to make it. There's more month and money. We don't have enough food. We don't have, and God says, wait a second, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am the supernatural provider. You know Somebody said, well, he's not El Chipo, he's El Shaddai. He can provide, he'll take care of you. He'll be with you. He's quantumly entangled with you. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's at the end of the whole thing and he knows that you're gonna make it. God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you, Ephesians 3.20. Just leave that up for a second. God is able to do more. No. Immeasurably, which means it's longer than your tape measure. Guys, 
You know, when you get to the end of the table, you're man, I should have got the 25 footer. Right? And if you don't have the 25 footer, then you need the, the winder, the big, you know, the 100 yarder one. What happens when it's longer than that? God can do immeasurably more than you cannot ask for. How about if you can even imagine it? Whatever you can imagine, God can do immeasurably more than that. Stop selling him short. He is all powerful. He is everywhere all the time and well able to bring you into the land and to possess the land. But man shall not live by bread alone. It's just not by the clothes on your back in the car in your driveway. There's a spiritual element that we're missing in our country and in many of our homes. And if God is not central in that, you may be in the land, but you're not possessing it. You may be having a, 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 a form of godliness, yet lacking the Zoe, the power that we see in the prophecy. The bones have come together. There's a semblance of Christianity, but is there really Christ? Are you as concerned about the presence of the Lord in your life, in your home, as you are in your evening meal, your lunch, and your breakfast? One of the greatest things about praying over your food, no matter where you are, is it's just a reminder. God is your provider. I'm saying pray over your Big Mac when you're out to eat. I've prayed, I've had people come, man, I saw, you, I saw you pray over your meal. That's so encouraging. Thank you for doing that. I'm like, okay. It's a silent testimony to some people. Do it. Scaredy cat. <laughs> Embarrassed. Embarrassed. God can do immeasurably more. When you speak life, Proverbs 18.21 says the power of life and death is where? In your tongue. That means you need to speak life, as Ezekiel did over this valley of dry bones. You need to speak life over your marriage. Oh, my wife, she just doesn't get me. You know, it's just a dry period. It's just not good right now. You know, my dad, he divorced when he was whatever, you know. You know, it's just not looking good. He doesn't love me. She doesn't love me. What are you prophesying? That's you prophesying. You don't blame me. It is. That's you prophesying. And the devil is more than happy to agree with the words that you speak negatively over your marriage. He wants the marriage to fall apart. How about your finances? Man, I guess this is it, you know. I guess we're gonna have to file bankruptcy. It's no good. They're gonna come take the car. It's horrible. Yeah, that's it. You know, my dad, he was poor. My grandpa, he was poor. You know, it's just in the blood. We're gonna be poor. That's what you're speaking over your life? You're in the middle of a valley of dry bones and you're going, yeah, they're all dead and dry. Puking up sand in the middle of the desert. That's your life? Or the spirit of the Lord comes to you and says, can these dry bones live? And you say, nope. Nope. How about this? Only you know God. Only you know God. Even though he's slay me. You know, you know, you know the beginning from the end. I don't have to know. 
All I need to do is to be obedient, to do and to say, to prophesy, to nadad, whatever it is that you tell me to do over your business, your health. Here's one you can really see manifest in your life so quickly, and that's as you prophesy over your kids, you stupid, no good, gonna go to jail, you're never gonna amount to anything, kid. You lazy bum, get off the couch. Manifests. That's what you end up having. Well, how do I know what to prophesy? The word of the sovereign Lord, Adonai, Jehovah, came to Ezekiel, but what about me? Well, we've got the word of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, right here. You wanna know what to say? Say what he says. That's what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel said, okay, what should I say? Man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> he is quoting Quoting Moses from the Old Testament. You have the word of the Lord. When you prophesy what God has already spoken, you have the ability to say, I am 100% accurate in my prophecy. You wanna be an accurate prophet? Well, I want a prophet. Okay, you charismatic Pentecostal, charismaniacs. <clears throat> Let me, let, me, let me talk to you about, are there prophets? Yes, I think there are prophets today. Are there apostles today? Yes, I think there are apostles. Really? Yeah, because I believe there's pastors today. And I believe there's teachers today. So all five of the gifts are active and those are gifts to the church. But we all prophesy, we're all pastoral, we can all have the ability to teach. Those are anointings over the office. I digress just a little bit. But we go, those conference junkies or I need a word from the Lord. Well, a lot of times the Lord's not gonna give you a fresh word until you start doing the last thing he told you to do. Well, I got slain in the spirit and I went down and it was awesome, it was glorious. And you get up and you're the same old bag of bones you were, but dead dry bones you were before. Unless you do what he tells you to do. I tell people, if they get slain, and by the way, why do people get slain in the spirit? Why do people fall down sometimes when they get prayed for? You know why? Because they can't stand up. It doesn't make it more powerful, but what I say to people that, seem, that wanna go out, fall down, when they get prayed for is don't get up until you're determined to do whatever it is that God's working in your heart to do. Otherwise, you're just, you're just a junkie looking for a high. Give me a word, prophet. How about this? How about this? Let's just rearrange the paradigm. How about you become the prophet of your own life? How about that? How about you actually begin to prophesy over your life? Because your, your, word, your words are much more powerful over your life than what I can speak over your life. Because why? Because then you have to agree with what I say. How about you agree with what's come out of your mouth? You become the prophet of your own life. It all hinges on what? Whether or not you're speaking what the Lord told you to speak. That's what Ezekiel did. The, 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 the miracle in this vision, this, this prophetic vision that Ezekiel had only happened because Ezekiel spoke what the Lord spoke. Well, what should you speak? Well, you should speak the word of the Lord, be in agreement with him, and then leave the results to him. Let's say Ezekiel, let's just say, we know the end of the story, but let's say Ezekiel spoke the words and nothing happened. There was accredited unto Ezekiel righteousness for doing what the Lord told him to do, regardless of the consequences. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. So it all hinges on when we prophesy. 
Well, I'm full of anxiety and fear. Well, 2 Timothy says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. I'm full of stress and I'm overwhelmed. I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed out. How are you? I'm stressed, man. I'm stressed. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm over. Is that what you're prophesying over your life? Stressed and overwhelmed are your choices. Because God says, come to me all your weary and burden and I'll give you rest. How are you doing? I'm full of rest. Full of rest. Your circumstance may be you're in the valley of dry bones, but you're gonna speak, I'm full of rest. You don't, didn't listen. When a doctor comes and says, you've got cancer, you don't deny the diagnosis. I, yeah, look, I can see it right there on the, on, the, on the CT scan. I see it, there's a blob that, I see it, that's cancer. I don't deny the diagnosis. Yes, you're in the valley of dry bones. I see that, that's obvious, we all see that. You have a problem financially, you're married. I'm not denying that, but I'm asking you to agree with someone who holds the prognosis, not the diagnosis. Does that make sense? Well, I'm lonely. You're not lonely. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, I got financial struggles. Hey, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, I got, I mean, I'm sick. I got health issues. I got relationship problems. I got grief and loss. I'll, print, I'll, I'll put all these online so you can look these up later. Your future. Uh, sin's just got me. Sin's got me. No. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Forgiveness. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Are there prophets today? Yeah. But how about you become the prophet of your own life? Speak. Sing. By inspiration, not just words on a screen, more than Christian karaoke, please. Please. Speak hope, speak peace, speak joy, speak righteousness, speak restoration, speak healing, financial provision. Well, show me how it works, Pastor. Okay, did you get saved? Yes, you did. Okay, how did that work? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess, oh, if you prophesy, if you speak with your mouth and say that Jesus is Lord, rather than I'm gonna go to hell, I'm lost. No, 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 I'm gonna confess with my mouth. I'm gonna prophesy over my own life. I am saved. I confess Jesus is Lord over my life. I'm prophesying over my life. And what was the result? You got saved. You agreed with heaven. Does that mean all your problems instantaneously went away? No, some of you are still jerks. And God's still working on you. Some of you still have some financial problems. God's still working on you. He's behind you, pushing you. He's, he's next to you walking. He's calling you, into all, he's calling you into the promised land. But the question today is, who are you agreeing with and what are you prophesying over those other circumstances in your life? Yes, you're saved. Yes, the bones came together and flash, flesh wrapped around them. But is the spirit of God alive in you and do you feel as though you are part of a victorious army that only happens as you are filled with the spirit of God and walk in accordance with his word? Can I get an amen? 
That's what I'm asking you today. I'm not asking whether or not you're saved because you already agreed with the word of the Lord there and you prophesied over your life. I'm asking about the other dead, dry bones, the other deficiencies in your life that need you to agree with what God says about those circumstances. Who are preaching myself happy today? Where in your home? Your home needs joy. You go home, you're cussing each other out, swearing and getting on each other's nerves. Stop it. Don't do that, please. That's strife, man. That's, that's, that's your enemy's language. Stop it. Well, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Why? Because your fallen nature loves that. That's what you're used to. But you're born again. You're a new creature. You agreed with God for your salvation. How about agreeing with him for everything else? righteousness, peace, joy in your home, in your marriage, with your kids. Oh, my business. Okay, prophesy over your business. Prophesy over your business. When I got saved, I prophesied over the company I worked in every day. I got there early, walked around the office, laid hands on every desk and every chair in that office and prayed that the Spirit of God would manifest in that office. You think things got better? No, they got worse. Because the enemy said, wait, you're not taking this land. I'm having a joy fest here. And so, of course, there was pushback. But did I care? No. I had more than just an, I had more than an appearance of righteousness. I had more than the dead, dry bones reassemble themselves. I had the spirit of God living inside of me, and I saw myself as a victorious army. There is no weapon formed against me that can prosper. So bring it on, bring it on. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <sighs> Your city, Springfield sucks. I hate Springfield. Illinois is the armpit of America. We should all move to Florida. We should all move to Texas. Illinois is horrible. Governor is whatever. The governor's just not saved yet. The word of the Lord says he'll give us the nations as our inheritance. Even though they look like a valley of dead, dry bones. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Though it were dead, he shall live. So how does all this end? With this question. Where is the deadness in your life? And what word do you need to begin to speak over your home, over your family, over your business, over your finances? Get a hold of a word. Not your word, not my word, not some prophet's word. Be the prophet of your own life. See what God has to say about your life circumstance and then stand on that word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I mean, it's all against you right now. The lawyer prophesied over your life. The doctors prophesied over your life. Your boss prophesied over your life. The newscast has prophesied over our lives. Your neighbor has prophesied over your life. Your spouse prophesied over your life. Even your parents prophesied over your life. Which one of those you're agreeing with or how about you become the prophet of your own life? Say, no, 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 this is what God has to say about. Yeah, I know, you had some trauma in your childhood. I think we all did.
get over it, get around it, get under it, get through it. What do they say? You may not get over it, but you can get through it. But you, you, let me say this, you are not your tragedy. Your identity is not your trauma. Don't keep re-traumatizing yourself. Don't do that. This is what I, I've been born again. I'm a brand new creature. The old Eric is gone and he likes to come back occasionally and slap people. Verbally, I don't do it physically anymore. But one of my strengths is one of my, every strength has a weakness. And I'm, I'm, I'm a decent talker. To get, in a visit, to get in a verbal argument with me, I have to sheathe my tongue because I will slice and dice you. This is me. This is where I live. This is, this is my personal confession. I've had arguments with Ryan. And he wants, he wants to like, pull out the samurai with me. I'm like, mm, no. No, listen, we'll just talk later. <laughs> right? We've done that. We've done that. We've done that. What, what is it for you? What is it for you? Your old self comes back. No, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a child of God. I'll tell you what Lord really got me a couple weeks ago was on the fruit of the Spirit. I was studying the fruit of the Spirit. And the one I hate the most, excuse me, the one I work on the most, <laughs> the one I work on the most is self-control. Right. You know why? Because if I don't have that, all the other ones fall apart. Yep. Love, joy, peace, patience. They go out the window because I can't, I can't control one of the hardest members to tame. Anybody else? So we all have battles, we all have struggles, but that is not who I am. I'm a child of God and I speak righteousness, peace, and joy. And yes, I can be brought in places of temptation. Yes, I can be brought in places of trial, but that's not me. Do I stumble and fall? Yes, but you know what? I get back up again and say, okay, God, let's try this again. And he is so patient with me. He walks right with me. Where is this issue in your life? You're drinking, you're drugging, you're sleeping around. Your work, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you're an exaggerator. Golly, she had got super quiet here. It's like I was throwing tomatoes and they were hitting people. Why? Because we all got something God's working on us. That's why we're here. We're here because we're not perfect. We're here because we realize we're broken and need, need the Lord calling us into our purpose and destiny. It's your turn to prophesy. That's what it says. It's your turn to prophesy. The news has had their say. Your neighbor has had their say. The lawyer, the doctor, the judge, they all had their say. But you know what? You have a turn to prophesy now. Stand with me. Father, we speak over our lives this morning. And God, we're tired of living by the prophecies that our parents spoke over us or our spouse spoke over us, or, or, or a neighbor, or a, or, or a lawyer, or a doctor spoke over us. Today, God, we will find your word live, alive in our life. And if we have to lay hands on ourselves, we will. We will not settle for living in a land of dead, dry bones. We speak life to our nation, we speak life and healing to our state. We speak salvation to our governor. We speak healing to broken bodies this morning, to broken marriages, kids that are away from the Lord. God, we're not resigned any longer to confessing and agreeing with our enemy that yes, it's a valley of dry bones.
I have a final verse of scripture for you in Amos chapter three, verse three. It says, two cannot walk together unless they have agreed to do so. If you say you walk with Jesus, you've got to agree with him. Two cannot walk together unless they've agreed to do so. I want you to agree with the Lord today about your life. Father, we bow our heads and our hearts to you. And first and foremost, we agree that you have called us and you desire us to be with you. And though there's many in this room that have already agreed and prophesied their salvation, confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord. There may be some here today, Lord, that have yet to make that agreement. And if that's you, this is your day. The most important prophetic statement you can make over your life is I'm a child of God. I am born again. My sins are forgiven. Though they be red as scarlet, he washes them white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so your sins are from you when you live your life in agreement with his word. If that's your desire today, just raise your hand with me. Father, here we are. Some for the first time, some maybe for the 10th time, or the 20th time, but we're back. We're back. And we're gonna agree with you. We're gonna agree with your word that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And we're only gonna speak what you speak. We're only gonna say what you say about our situations. Not denying the obvious, but believing the one who holds the prognosis about our marriages, our homes, our family, our children our city, our state, our nation. Lord, we confess you to be the Lord of our lives, the Savior, all that we need for everything. Forgive us of our sins and wash us new. If that's your prayer this morning, giving your life in agreement with the Lord, just right there, just say amen. Amen, that's my life. I'm with you, Jesus. But some of you got some other situations, yeah? The bones have come together and it looks okay on the outside, but deep in your heart of hearts, you know this is not the life that God's called you to. You're in the land, but you're not possessing it. If that's you this morning, God has hope for you. He knows your end. Stop agreeing with your enemy and start speaking life over your home and your situation. Find in the word what he says and agree with him and speak that. Speak life. Father, thank you. We give you now all those circumstances. Just name it right now to the Lord, whatever it is. Just name it. That struggle, that problem, that pile of dry bones nobody knows about, hidden in a closet somewhere. Drag them out. Pour the oil of the Lord all over them in the spirit realm and begin to prophesy over your finances and your home and your family, your job, your kids. It's going to be okay. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Believe it and receive it. Doubt it and do without it. God is for you, not against you. Father, we surrender our hearts to you now. 
these circumstances and ask that you would heal our hearts, that we would be brave enough to prophesy your word and then prophesy again and then prophesy again until once again, there's healing and restoration. If you need prayer in that area of your life this morning, we're gonna invite the prayer teams to come down again right now. If you need prayer as we close out this morning, you come on down right now. Come on down right now. Just step out. They'll pray with you. They don't need to know what it's about, but they're gonna pray in agreement that God gives you wisdom and the right words. The rest of us, as we leave this place now to go eat, may we be reminded that we should be as concerned about our spiritual nourishment as our physical nourishment. And may the peace of God lead you. May the peace of God provide for you. May his spirit be upon you to bring you strength and wisdom, to be a kind person, a person full of love, the love of Jesus, and patience. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more information about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship. Relationship.